0: Wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Chakten an indo askeilige.
0: Time iman iruk ti yen of chakt er a harp. Aga soligam amar kan sha gar fejer e har enuik len of winter fein. Skil turmi.
1: Tha
0: do chreacha nach vethach ara Iorgunamian an cheist sin eacol. We in talam ag in am guriv ahrachar in rachdom. Iad tuig sé tar an guriv an ahrachar sin ilis dohalag is cimine vin marav.
1: Shachtan, find us
0: on all the usual podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. Hello, and you're welcome to the Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, in association with Square. Square helps you with your business needs from menu management and online ordering to payments. Visit square.com for more. Now, what is going on with the big tech multinationals at the moment? This week, they're all in some kind of chassis at the moment, as Sean O'Casey would say. Twitter is trying to restrict direct messages to those who are paying. Google has finally launched its ChatGPT rival, Bard in Europe, and Microsoft faces some antitrust action from the European Commission over Teams. Talitha, are you confused?
1: I'm a bit confused. There's a lot going on here, and I think we'll start with Twitter. Um, I was reading Mm. today that Twitter has lost almost half of its advertising revenue since Elon Musk bought it back in October. He bought it for $44 billion, and he's lost half the revenue in that time. What's going on there?
0: This is the biggest mystery in tech, why Elon Musk, who allowed all sorts of nasty accounts back onto Twitter, has lost half of the advertising revenue. Nobody I know can figure out what on earth is going on here. Um, But it's possible that the woke market capitalism uh, uh, sector has decided that placing an ad alongside Andrew Tate or Tucker Carlson's new uh, Twitter talk show interview with Andrew Tate may not be the kind of thing that they want their brand besides.
1: So it's it's partly to do with what content is on Twitter. And we know that when Elon Musk took over, that they slashed the amount of content moderation staff as well. So I wonder, did advertisers just lose confidence in the platform?
0: Yeah, I remember being at a meeting a few months ago with an awful lot of senior advertisers. It was a totally separate event. It was a big media event. And I spoke to one of the most senior guys in core which is one of the biggest ad and marketing agencies in Dublin and he told me that they had had a meeting with Twitter and that Musk had called into that meeting and he told me that it, the whole thing seemed unhinged and his message back to his advertisers were was no we you know maybe dabble in Twitter but do not be putting your big campaigns in there now this could couldn't be happening at a worse time for twitter because as we've already discussed threads has launched metas threads the instagram spinoff and there's one thing that meta is very good at doing and that is monetizing social networks um, most uh, analysts i've seen are predicting five six seven billion euro revenue streams for threads uh, on its current trajectory And that would overtake Twitter within two years.
1: And it has estimated 150 million users in a very short space of time. So we know Mm -hmm. that people are there. Do we have any idea how many users there are on Twitter now? Could that be feeding into it? Because we have seen the arguments about bots, etc. Do we know Mm -hmm. how many real users there are on Twitter?
0: The last semi-reliable number we got was around 250 million about 250 million users, up to maybe 400 million monthly active users. Um, Now, Twitter is in a bit of a doom loop at the moment because it's not increasing the number of users it has. As we know, it has tried to make some people pay via Twitter Blue, and we can talk about that in a second and and a few controversies over that. But the problem is that Musk is having to pay a billion dollars a year back in interest alone on the $44 because part of that was with debt. Now, when revenue falls so much, advertising revenue, that was Twitter's main source of income. That's now fallen off a cliff. He still has to pay the interest payments, which means he'll probably have to fire more people or, or make some cuts across the board because people are not signing up to Twitter Blue uh, in the kind of numbers that uh, he had hoped. Now, as we've seen in the last few days, he is trying to uh, to boost that.
1: That's it. And I think that's what we'll get into now. It's that it seems to mm. me that they are trying everything they can to generate revenue. I mean, they did hire a new chief executive of Twitter in June. Mm -hmm. She was the head of advertising at NBC Universal. So obviously the focus very much is still on advertising for sure. But they are coming up with other strategies in order to generate revenue. You mentioned the paying for the blue tick verified accounts that was in February Mm. time. Take up of that. Do we know how successful that was?
0: Well, as of March or April, we knew that the Twitter Blue subscriptions had earned Twitter about $11 million. And that is a drop in the ocean of what it needs to make to even come close to servicing the $1 billion a year in interest payments. Its latest wheeze is to try and pay creators. So Twitter now has a plan where if you're an influencer or a creator or you've got a big audience on Twitter and lots of people reply to your tweets, say, for example, Twitter will now, it says, share a portion of the ad revenue from the ads delivered in the replies to your tweets. Now, that comes with a few caveats. First of all, you have to be a verified paid blue tick member to earn this money. Second, the people who see the ads, which pay you, have also to be verified and blue ticks. So that's a couple of strong caveats uh, uh, already. And thirdly, the only people that Twitter is currently rolling out it out to are people who Musk himself likes. So there's no form that you can fill in to apply for this uh, yet. Um, and that has drawn controversy as well, because Andrew Tate was one of the first uh, people, the controversial uh, Andrew Tate, in, in a lot of trouble in Romania at the moment. Um, a couple of other significant um, edgy uh, figures. Uh, the Washington Post did quite an interesting piece on this uh, during the week. So, But anyway, that is his strategy and that is Twitter's strategy to try and get more people to sign up. If you think you can be paid even you know, 100 euro a month or 200 euro a month, yet alone 10 grand a month, maybe if you're an influencer or you're a creator, you'll Sign up and maybe that will draw more, more people onto the platform and subscribe to Twitter Blue.
1: So that just sounds to me like a premium version of Twitter rather than what the blue tick originally was, was to verify that you mm. were a journalist and you were who you said you were or you were an organization and you said who you said you were. That isn't what this blue tick is anymore at all. It's a completely no. different um platform essentially or a different offering for users. Yeah. Do you think though because I what I want to know is there's clearly an awful lot of people who want to go over to threads for example and they're looking for a certain kind of platform. These measures don't seem to be improving the Twitter platform at all. I mean is there any scope for them just improving the platform and making users want to be there?
0: Well what Twitter's managed current management i.e. Elon Musk because everything flows down from him what they say is that the uh The principle of free speech and what differentiates Twitter from other quote-unquote woke platforms is the thing that they hope will bring people onto Twitter and will keep them there as the world's town square discussion town square. What's actually keeping people on Twitter, people like me, for example, use it every day, is the fact that there are still so many accounts and newsmakers who are there, who through gritted teeth are staying on the platform. Um, And it's impossible to ignore. If you were following the RT saga over the last four, three, four weeks, you know, journalists from uh, our own publication, from other media organizations, they were live tweeting the whole thing. They weren't necessarily, you know, covering it live on their own blogs. We were, but I'm thinking particularly of the broadcasters. They were covering it live blow by blow, um, very entertainingly, very well on Twitter. They were not doing that on their own uh, platforms. So as long as that remains the case, it's kind of impossible to ignore.
1: Yeah, it's so true. And it's something that we've spoken about so many times is who exactly is Twitter for? And journalists are definitely one of them. And it's not like we're seeing journalists on Instagram live live blogging or li- doing no. live stories of these things. And so Twitter no. in that sense is the platform for that. So we might see where if Threads ever does land in the EU, what kind of difference that will make um, to Twitter. But Twitter isn't the only big tech company that has been in the news in the last week or so. Microsoft uh, will next week face its first formal EU antitrust investigation. Can you tell Mm -hmm. me what's going on there?
0: Yeah, basically, this has been bubbling under for a while. So as you know, the big video calling platforms are Zoom, and Teams. They're really the big two. Google would say that, you know, its own Google Meet is also a big platform. It kind of is. And Cisco would with WebEx as well. But really, it's Teams and Zoom. And Teams came from nowhere because guess what? It was bundled with Microsoft and Microsoft Office. And as we've seen time and time again, Microsoft still owns your Office computer. Uh, and therefore. Um, like in our office, for example, mm-hmm. uh, as soon as Teams became available during COVID, we all started to use it um, because that's just the easy, easiest, lowest friction video call platform to start using, particularly if, you know, your IT department have, have already bought licenses from Microsoft and Microsoft is bundling it um, there. Now, the European Commission says that possibly is an abuse of your position in owning the office computer uh, ecosystem. And they've been discussion at Microsoft. Microsoft has tried to make some concessions. It looks like they're not enough. Now, this is the first antitrust action that Microsoft has faced in about a decade. If you won't remember this, but I do, in the early years of, of my reporting, Microsoft got into an awful lot of trouble with Internet Explorer because in the early days of the web browser, Market Netscape was the big player. Microsoft comes along, bundles Internet Explorer, and all of a sudden, everybody starts using a, a Internet Explorer and ruins the web browsing experience, in my opinion, for about 10 years. But anyway, different story. Um, so they do have history uh, in this regard. And it looks like the Europeans are saying, now you're kind of doing the same again with Teams.
1: And this came from rival Slack. They complained in 2020 that the bundling yep. practice broke the EU competition laws, but Again, Microsoft aren't the only big tech company that have faced these anti-competition probes before um, others, Apple, Google, Meta have all faced similar probes.
0: Oh, yeah. And I think what Microsoft would say is, look, we understand what you're saying, European Commission, but you might be going a bit too far here because if you say if you take the iPhone, every time Apple launches a new service, take FaceTime, for example, FaceTime is a video calling service and an audio calling service, which is used on Macs and iPhones. But, but and you can use it on Androids and on Windows. But it's a kind of a janky, awkward experience. Nobody does it. So there's an example of Apple using its powerful ecosystem to you know to make sure that lots of people use FaceTime. For example, and you could say the same with the AirTag. The AirTag, which is a rival to Tile, um, but AirTag only works with iPhones. Therefore, if you've an I- and work better with iPhones, therefore um, people bought AirTags. The difference, I suppose, is that Apple doesn't have really a monopoly or it's not as dominant in its one section, which is smartphones, as Microsoft is in Office software. And that's kind of the difference.
1: So what kind of consequences could Microsoft be facing here if it doesn't end their way?
0: Well, they could be forced to separate out teams altogether. That you have to go actively looking for it as a download. So they, they wouldn't be allowed to uh, bundle it. They may not be allowed to even strongly suggest it. Um, they could be looking at some sort of fine or mon, you know some something from a monetary point of view. But it's the the one that they would be more worried about is uh, that it's not a natural thing for uh, for people to download teams. I think we've the european commission has missed the boat on this I think because if so, you are yeah. if you are in a kind of a you know david brent style office and <laughs> you've been using video calls for the last two or three years your are david brent it office manager who is still smarting from you know having to give give up his blackberry of course he's going to go with teams okay because that's what you know yeah. That, that's the video uh, service that uh, that every single grey middle aged you know person uh, will use. Um, so I think you, Europe has missed the boat a little bit on this, but it could still still be very serious for Microsoft.
1: Completely. And finally, then Google, we're very much in the post hype era of chat GPT. It's not really holding on to us. It doesn't have such a grip on us in the tech world anyway, right now. But Google Bard launched last week in the EU. It's Google's answer to chat GPT. You had a go that. What did you think?
0: Yeah, I thought it was quite interesting. They finally got to launch here. If you remember a few weeks ago, the Data Protection Commissioner gave them a big red flag, said, you're not allowed to launch here because you haven't told us enough about it. Google went off, put together a few slide decks, and, uh, and, and now they've launched it. It's quite similar to ChatGPT. Chat there are some other features which could be potentially useful, a um, feature which was supposed to launch uh, last week, it didn't. Uh, you you can upload pictures as well as prompts. So if you want to add extra context to a query or prompt, you can actually upload a picture as part of your query um, or your prompt. Now, me being me, I couldn't resist just getting it to say some you know mean things about Google's CEO. So I literally, one of the first things I asked it to do was to tell me the worst mistakes that Google had made. And it gave me a list of products, which... Uh, including, what did it say? Oh, Google Glass was there. Mm. Um, Google Buzz. There were some few. Some of its worst and mistakes, it's, uh, I are, think,
1: wasn't it? Is that what it's worst said?
0: mistakes. Yeah. It repeated back to me. So I was able to quote Google's worst mistakes. include. And then I said, give me some disadvantages associated with Google's CEO, Sundar P. It gave me a big list of how he's weak on leadership, but he surrounds himself with people who don't let him make good decisions and he should do better. He should... Wow. And I was like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Google, I mean, come on. I know it's a new service here and I know this is AI, but-
1: Pretty an brutal. To your
0: CEO. Pretty brutal. Pretty brutal. <laughs> if I'd written that, the PR office would be on to me. And they'd be, hey, what's, I mean, you know, what, what's all, where's all this coming from? Yeah. And I uh, said, so, well, you know, I'd listen, it was Bard who told me. So I, when I wrote, I actually wrote a piece on it. I kept saying, Bard told me that uh, S- uh, Sundar Pishai. when I asked Google Bard, yeah, Sundar Pichai is not a great leader," said Google Bard.
1: Crazy, and but you what know? about some of the other concerns that we have more generally with AI, with ChatGPT, in terms of I don't know miscommun- or misinformation that we have similar concerns mm. here with Google Bard that we do with ChatGPT or any other chatbot.
0: Yeah, and to be fair, so the the concerns are misinformation because um, it's trained on a lot of data, but it doesn't necessarily know what's true or what's not true. Again. With the whole thing with a large language model, large language model like ChatGPT or Bard, is not giving you an accurate or truthful answer. It's giving you what an answer typically would look like to a question you have asked or a query you have posed. And there's a difference between those two things. So Bard is very upfront about that. It's also very upfront about its own potential bias. For example, um, be, if you want it. To give you advice on something, or give you tips, or describe something, or you know, set start you off on a document that you're preparing. It admits that the data that it is giving you back may be biased because it may be uh, trained on information that were largely put together by one demographic or ethnic or you know, gender uh, group. Um, so all of those things. Uh, are definitely risks with Bard, but on the other hand, you know, if it helps you, if it knocks five or ten minutes off, kind of email, for example, like it, Bard is supposed to be integrated with Gmail. Ah, so at some point, that's going to be very, very handy. I already sometimes now, just with a, an email reply, it'll suggest something. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, and I'll just hit the button.
1: And is know? it is that's it fine? Is it like a plugin that it's just it's sitting there within no? Gmail, or you do it separately?
0: it it will sit there within gmail okay. eventually that's the that's the plan to integrate it um so in the same way that microsoft bing don't laugh bing has sort of integrated parts of chat gpt into it uh, right. right now and that it kind of is a reason to give bing a go i mean bing is a bit of a joke still and it's very poor on european results but you know um chat gpt is good so if you think you can get ChatGPT style answers in Bing without necessarily having to set up a different account with ChatGPT, maybe you'll do that. So overall, I I think it is a good move, smart move for Google. They have to do it. And it will probably get better, but it definitely comes with uh, a lot of those uh, health warnings.
1: Why hasn't there been the same kind of buzz around um, Bard? in the same way that we saw ChatGPT because I mean it really was everywhere when ChatGPT launched and we were talking about it all the time Bard it could have passed you by
0: because it's not new because all the stuff that we've just talked about and which we've done podcasts about Mm -hmm. that ChatGPT being the first major large language model which was user friendly which was released all of that stuff we discussed it for months but Bard largely does is kind of the same thing so even in the headline that i wrote in the piece announcing the launch i had to put google's chat gpt rival because what people know is ChatGPT. gpt you know you talk about tablet you often talk about an ipad you talk yeah. about a vacuum cleaner you still talk about a hoover even though nobody buys hoovers anymore and chat gpt has become you know the byword for that yeah. bard i can't i can't figure out what i think about bard bard is
1: in the name a, bard
0: yeah, uh, yeah, Bard, like Bard Simpson, or is it, Bard, you're Bard? I mean, Bard, it, it's it's a funny one. But I would um, say it's easier
1: but, to say than ChatGPT, which was a big stumbling block I felt when Ch- yeah. ChatGPT came out. Bard is easier.
0: It is, but we because we all got over that mm. hump, we now all know what ChatGPT is. I can make a joke in passing, you know, to my sort of mid-70s uncle, And he'll kind of know what I'm talking about. If I say Google Bard, Google has historically a problem with its brand names, though. I mean, other than Google search and Gmail and YouTube, I would say, can you name another Google brand?
1: No, but only from the research, like the Google Buzz. I actually, I don't even know what that is.
0: No, and then Google Meet, it's it's had two or three different names for its video calling and its calling services. and uh, So it it historically had a problem with that. Uh, And Bard is okay. It it may not be a great name, but in answer to your question, why aren't we talking about Bard? We're talking about it now, but because it's a tech podcast, but I don't think it will light the public imagination unless it comes up with something absolutely amazing. The images thing could work. Um, If it, Integrate into Gmail, that might give it an edge, but um, but other than that, it needs Google really needs to speed up on its integration. So anyway, and and we haven't even talked about how AI is going to kill us all, which I know is is a topic that uh, sometimes comes (laughs) up. However, Tabitha Monahan, who produced this program and who uh, was in conversation with me there, thank you very much uh, for uh, this. Uh, interesting conversation Niall McGonagall as well who was on uh, video and also to Gav Hennessy who was on sound and that's all we have time for Uh, Adrian Weckler here you've been listening to on the Big Tech Show in association with Square and we'll talk to you the same time next week bye bye yeah having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranle called but of a gun put into the back of your skull that's a moment where you go okay yeah I think this one's up how does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts.